They drove right back down and scored. I mean, got to the one yard line, fourth down, and went for it. Then didn't get it. I'm putting the points on the board. Yeah, well, I I agree with going for it. Like that's that is the nature of Kyle Shanahan. That is the nature of that offense. And if it was fourth and goal from the three, you're not really going to depend on Jimmy Garoppolo Garoppolo to pass there. So you would take the points if you're a little further away. But with the way that we pounded the ball, like we were run a run first offense last year more than anybody else in the NFL. And the way that we pounded it on people, you had to believe that Mostert would get in right there. And he didn't. And we have such a great defense. You feel like the defense will perform. And the defense did perform all day. It's just that the the offense was pretty pedestrian for the most part. Like he wasn't targeting um, – receivers at all and then he finally targets receivers on the final drive and you look at the jump balls he threw to I'm not sure of the, the white guy's name but he threw the jump ball to him and it was like he just lofted it, it like it, it was it had too much hang time and there were three passes like that on that final drive and I wouldn't have been concerned if we would have won I would have just said hey this is another performance that we need to build on but I'm not discouraged by how we lost lost um, I still I feel like our defense kicked butt. I feel like the special teams, that one play, that block punt was the difference. And I think that usually the people you have on special teams are the people who are, you know, third team, fourth team, just coming off the practice squad, whatever. Those are your people who, you know, are pretty much trying to earn a job in the regular rotation. And so without them having had any preseason looks, that 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 block punt formation, which they only ran that one time, spelled the doom of, of the 49ers for that game. I don't necessarily expect the, my team, the 49ers, to go 15-1, and one, but I bet when you look at the power rankings, and I do care about the power rankings, when you look at them tomorrow, I believe going into that game, we were third behind Kansas City and New Orleans. We'll probably be third or fourth. Like Nobody's panicking over that not even your odds makers and all of that. For those of you who bet people still believe in the 49ers Um, and anybody that lost money, even if you are my friend, listen, the, the fucking, the loss for my team cuts cuts for me more than I care about you losing money, especially since you do gamble because you gamble. So losses are a part of that. Right? So I'm not going to say I don't give an F because I do. I don't want you to lose money or, or in your case, it wasn't even losing money. You just didn't gain money. But anybody else out there, like, don't even come to me with that. Like, you you got sympathy for my team losing? That's one thing. We can talk about it. But if you don't, ugh. Now, that's my 49ers. My Dodgers are still the best team in baseball. People talking crazy about San Diego. San Diego's really good. But we're about to see. And all three of us roll with the Dodgers. So tonight, we'll see. We like Fernando Tatis Jr. We like Manny Machado. But we are the Dodgers, and we we putting it on the line tonight. Yep. Okay, so, so are we completely moving yeah. off football already? Because we didn't talk. No, 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 no. I'm, oh, no, I'm, introducing, okay. I'm introducing. So, so my 49ers lost. My Dodgers won, and we share the Dodgers, the three of us. From a football perspective, Rodney will tell Trey and I that even though our teams are the ones that have had 
uh, more success recently. Trey actually winning a Super Bowl, my team going to two Super Bowls and having a few NF championships in the last 10 or so years. Rodney will say that his team in the new house was the only one to get a win. They won so, it <laughs> And it went down uh, to the last play of the game. <laughs> so that's coming. That's coming. So, no, I would never walk you off of that, Rod. We're going to get to that. But from a basketball perspective, let's also talk about my Lakers and then we'll talk about Rodney and and Trey's Clippers and and how they're performing. And then we will invite Trey and Rod back into Laker fandom since Trey has on his his Laker hat. But we're going to talk about how they had the Nuggets going down in game five. We're going to get to all of that. We're going to get to all of that as we approach game seven on Tuesday. And let me tell you, so the Clippers, I'm going to just say this right here since we were talking about the betting and stuff. I bet that game right. I said I took the Clippers the first half minus five and a half because the spread was nine on the game. I said, ain't no way the Clippers are going to hold on to no lead like that. Denver's been out playing them the second half the whole time. They were up, what, 13, 14 at halftime? And then the second half came. <laughs> Well, they were they were up 19 midway through the third, so it was really yeah. the second half of the third quarter came. But just so we're clear, it's not a betting podcast. But Trey, that's Trey. Trey does gamble. He bets. Uh, Rodney and I 100 do not do not do not. We're we don't even really talk about it. We're just letting Trey talk about it. But be clear, NCAA. Trey, uh, Rodney and I do not do any gambling on mm-hmm. anything. On anything, no Super Bowl pools, nothing. All right, yeah. just want to get that out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, so surprisingly, I wasn't even going to talk about the Raiders at all. I mean, I'm glad we won, but I I wanted to jump into Cam Newton's first win as a Patriot. Okay, well, we'll that was, we, can, we can start off the NFL with that. I'm good, but I just I felt like you were looking a little lonely because you know you. There won't be many weeks this year that uh, the, the Raiders will be winning with the 49ers and the well, Eagles. I, I will say that with the rookie rugs on on the, on the on the field, we are a completely different team. Like that guy is the real deal. Um, when he got injured and twisted his ankle, we fell back to earth. We still won, but we felt like he's he's needed. He's the difference in us going eleven and five versus six and ten. I'll, I'll say it that way. Oh yeah, I'm not going eleven. Y'all not going eleven and five. I was. Gonna give you, I was going to give you nine and. Uh, I mean, sixteen games, right? Yeah, I was going to give you like nine and seven. No, no. Y'all going eleven and five. You you thinking you thinking more you thinking more uh, NFC East? Oh, I feel like that was a little jab right there. you started it, so you guys might want to get your offensive tackles. Oh, back I, really can't say, I can't say nothing this week. Okay, we'll yeah, talk in a couple you, of weeks. You guys definitely need those offensive tackles back on the field because that Wentz was running for his life. Uh, but no, this dude is a this rookie is a di- is a real difference maker. Um, like I noticed, there were certain players on teams where 
you know, it, it still amazes me. And I, that, that's why I spoke to AC briefly yesterday, and I wish he was on the field yesterday. But when you see Aaron Donald from play to play, like that dude is a one-man wrecking crew. You know, he, he, he impacts the whole game by himself. Um, and, Andre, and DeAndre Hopkins looked completely different with the Cardinals. They they didn't just throw deep to him and, you know, kind of mid to deep passes to him on a regular basis the whole game. They actually threw to him uh, in different ways, and I like the way they utilized him. And then, you know, Kyler Murray is just a different type of dude. He, he – Deshaun Watson can really play, and I was impressed with him the other night, Thursday. Um, but Kyler Murray is just different for some reason. And I really wasn't sold on Kyler Murray at first. Um, and he still got to show me some other things. But yesterday, he 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 looked good considering who he was facing. Yeah. So uh, enough about the 49ers. I guess that so, – so we will, we're done with the 49ers and the Cardinals, even when we come back to the NFL, because now we've talked about it twice. Um, and I don't want to talk about the 49ers this week. A little better. Okay. A little better. Collective podcast, <laughs> episode 30. Thank you all for coming back. I am AC from LA. And to my left, I got Trey Hop. And down there, I have Baby Hair 562. These are my guys, Trey and Rod. And we're coming to you, episode. 30. So we got over the half year hump, which was episode 26. And then we're rolling 27, 28, 29, 30. Thank you for coming back week after week, YouTube viewership and everybody who listens on the DSPs. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. All right. So I would say, what do you guys want to get into? But clearly you want to get into the NFL. So go ahead and uh, go ahead and continue. We had opening day recently. Uh, well, Thursday we had Kansas City beat up on uh, Houston, and then on Sunday we 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 got to see where everybody was. Uh, speaking of the 49ers, their defense is uh, ready. The offense is still coming along. Special teams still coming along. Um, yeah, what do you guys have? Um, I I thought it was it was sad that the Kansas City Chiefs and Houston, uh, Houston, what are they now? Uh, uh, not the Astros, not the... Uh, the Texans? Texans. I don't even keep up with that team. But Houston Texans got booed for locking arms. Um, trying to show... Uh, it's kind of like people can't win for losing. They don't want kneeling... The players didn't kneel. Um, they don't want protests. The players didn't protest. They did something showing unity and still got booed. So now I'm trying to figure out what exactly are people booing? Are they booing the fact that players are using their platform to take a stand on what seems to be a black issue? Are they booing just to be booing? 
you know, what exactly are they booing now? Because the narrative seems to change with each, with each time. Um, that was sad. And other other teams had different ways of of uh, showing unity. You know, there was something that stood out that uh, Poe from the Cowboys was the only cowboy to kneel and had two a player on each, on both sides with a hand on his shoulder and trying to show unity that way. But <clears throat> thought it was it was something because you know Jerry Jones has come out previously saying no one would kneel from his team. So I'm curious to know Poe's future and if that will have an impact. And I'll be trying to watch as much of that situation as I can from, from this point on, how he's treated. Got it. Um, yeah, very sad that you had booing. Like, and that was the thing, like, that was the, that was the question that Rodney posed on his wall on Thursday. What is wrong with unity? Like, how do you boot? Like, even if you don't believe in any of this other stuff, this is literally just unity. And this is not anything that's being blasted on your screen. Like you chose to be at this game. Those of you who were booing in person, you chose to be there. So you clearly like your team or like the other team or hate one of the teams and, and are okay with your team or the opposite. Like you wanted to be there to watch football. They're expressing unity and you booed and booed and booed. What's like, what's wrong with unity? But as Rodney tries to dissect it, I don't, they are just disgusting people in the world. And those disgusting people just show their, their heads again. Right there in that in that stadium. What and it's not called Arrowhead anymore. What is it called now? Or is it still Arrowhead? Is it no, I don't I don't think is it Arrowhead still? I don't think so. By the way, what what oh, why, by the way, why why are we getting Kansas City to change their name? Anybody? Uh, I think that subject has been approached. But I, I want to say they said they weren't changing their name. Well, that's what Washington said. But like, either it's acceptable or it's not acceptable. And and while Redskins was disgusting, Chiefs is like we're talking about Native American Chiefs, and so it's not a derogatory term, but it's still a term that shouldn't be. That's definitely not celebrated. Um, so, and, and I'm not trying to go off course from what you were saying, but I just thought about that. Like, you know, they're in the they're in the space, they're in the public spotlight. You know, got the the great quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, with the the 12 year contract, um, or however many years it is. No, that was Mookie. The 10 year contract um, on top of the world. They they eked out the Super Bowl against the good guys. Like, why aren't we on that name, Washington? You know, Washington is just a disgusting organ organization in so many teams in so many ways. But we got them, except for their hiring of Ron Rivera. But we got them off of 
that name finally, what they had, and so now they're the Washington football team, which is lazy because they could have just come up with something else, but whatever. But I, I don't I'm wondering where the public outcry is for, for Kansas City or against Kansas City. Just throwing it out there. Probably wouldn't come until they start losing. When they're winning, they overlook stuff. But True. you know what I mean? When 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 you're down, that's when people really like to stomp on you and 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 see stuff. The, the Redskins ain't been winning in a long time, so they're easy, they're easy target. The Chiefs stay on top of the world, got the best quarterback, young dude. You know what I mean? That they're, they're not going to change nothing. Okay, well, I, I I don't know that the public outcry came from the the watch the DMV residents, you know, that from that area. Like it's it's a national, it's been a national outcry. It's it, there's been the same thing against the Florida State Seminoles and the and the Atlanta Braves. And I'm just wondering why, like, since it actually happened in Washington, why I even how I I why I haven't even heard a peep about Kansas City in, in quite some time. I'm just wondering, you know, maybe I don't know, maybe I'll throw it out there and, and pose it, but I'm just I'm just curious. And it, again, it doesn't have to come from the locals. Like it, it should, I feel like it should, there should be public outcry. Well, there, there's been, there was talk about changing the Redskin name for decades. Um, one of the things Daniel Snyder kept saying is that he would, he would discuss it and, you know, I guess feel, put feelers out there to the fans. Of course, well, I won't say of course. I guess that's probably uh, well. No, I will say of course because that's normally how it goes. Normally, uh, many white fans didn't want him to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, other fans, you know, said, "Hey, you should change it." And Daniel Snyder, I guess, got with a group and went through it, and then it was it was said that they wouldn't change it because the name the with the brand brings them a lot of money and they didn't want to change it for business reasons. And that was the, the loophole they used for years um, until they recently decided to change it. Now, I don't know what changed with that and what kind of new pressure they felt to change it, um, but they did. You know, so with with the Chiefs, I I don't know. You know, I know Washington has a lot of fans. When I first moved to D.C. in the 80s, the Redskins games were sold out for the next 20 seasons. Sold out. You could not get a ticket for 20 years. Um, And that, that speaks of their fan base. And it's crazy because the DMV is kind of split in half. There, there are a lot of people in DC that are that are Cowboys fans, but most of the fans are homegrown Redskin fans, and you have you have a split. So they definitely love football, and they definitely love the Redskins. Valid. And I feel like that actually helps my point. They love that term, and yet 
it's finally gotten rid of. So what's up with the Chiefs? What's up with Kansas City? And, and, and I guess I should have went on to say, I don't know of the Chiefs brand being on that level. I mean, you know, like there are certain teams we know that have a huge fan base. The Redskins, the Cowboys, the Niners, the Raiders, they have huge fan bases. But I can't, yeah. Um, But I can't sit here and say that I've ever heard a large group of people saying, I love the Chiefs. You know, now you may find some now since they've won the Super Bowl, but that's that's not something that you normally hear. I mean, we didn't even hear about the Patriots when they were, you know, putting uh, Steve Grogan and and Drew Bledsoe as quarterback. It was it wasn't until two thousand when we really started hearing people start hollering they were Patriots fans. Um, and now you see Patriots jerseys all over the place. So, you know, I don't know the chief strategy behind it, but I don't, I don't think it's something, a brand that's big enough where it can't be changed. Yes. So I guess we can turn off of this, but I thank you, Rod. I just, I feel like you're, like, I don't feel like you're giving me a reason why it can't, especially since you ended with it's not too big a brand to be changed. So I'm just wondering, like, that's the thing. I'm wondering where the public outcry is. Clearly, the public outcry for the for the the Washington team didn't come from Washington itself. It came from, I mean, it didn't come from necessarily from that fan base. It came from all over and maybe some from that fan base. So what I'm saying, but plenty of Native Americans and people who support Native Americans. So I'm just wondering where it is for the Kansas City team. I, I, that's all. That's all. I'm just, it just, why aren't we hearing about it? And for that matter, why aren't we hearing about the, the Atlanta baseball team anymore or the you know Florida State University anymore? Like why has it seemed to stop right when it seems like the Washington thing happened overnight. That's all. Just, just you know. I don't know. But all right. So, from the collective podcast, uh, my my division. We all we each have our own divisions. Trey is the NFC East, even though he has season tickets in the NFC West. He's an NFC East fan. Rodney has Rodney is an AFC West fan. I mean, Rodney's team is in the AFC West. My division is the NFC West. I. Don't know how many divisions will have all four teams with a winning record. Uh, and I don't know how often that happens. I'd have to do some research. But I, I predict that the NFC West will be the best division in football and will have four teams. Should I say four teams without a losing record or should I say four teams with a winning record? Because that could be either eight and eight or nine and seven. I'm going to say four teams with a winning record. I, I predict that. Uh, you historically, what'd you say? Who who goes to the playoffs? Because if that's going to be a new black and blue division, there is probably going to be just one team. Well, of course, you're a 49er fan, so I, I 
think you would say the 49ers. No, it won't, no, it won't, it won't be just one team. It'll, it'll be the 49ers and the Rams. You think two teams from that division will have a record good enough to go? Yeah, like it, it happened. Like it, it that always happens. It happened last year with the 49ers and and the Seahawks. But did all four teams have a winning record last no, year? No, no. But so no. But that's okay. So that's what you're saying. If that happens, all four teams have a winning record. No, was they all have eight games that they play against someone else? Right. Right. You don't think the Seahawks are gonna be there? Actually, they have ten. They have ten games that they play against other teams, Rod. So with four team divisions, you you can get your wins outside of it. Well, Rodney said two. Trey, I do think that all three teams will go. I do think it'll be three teams in the playoffs from there. But I do think the Rams will jump Seattle when we talk about last year. Um, but here, here, here's my here's my hot take. Here's my hot take. Chargers in the AFC. Chargers in the AFC. What about them? There, that's where they are. That's an AFC West guy right there. That's, that's where they are. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you got that right. They are in that division. That's, that's, where, they're, that's where they're located. That's where they're located. Oh boy. Oh boy. Hey Rod, who would you rather have? Tyrod Taylor or Derek Carr? Derek Carr. He's lying. Right. Come You're on, actually Rod. lying right now, Rod. Tell the I'm truth. I'm not. You don't I'm like a Derek Carr. I'm a Rod. Derek Carr fan. No, you're not, Rodney. Yes, you're not being right. Derek Carr fan. When did I ever say I didn't like Derek Carr? All right, let me go find the post. Hold on. Yeah, find the one here. Never I said I didn't like Derek Carr. Derek. I've, I've been fighting for Derek Carr forever. Derek Carr. I like the fact that, he's, that he keeps changing offense coordinators, um, even when we had the linebacker as coach from the Cowboys. Um, they, they had a winning offense coordinator who had him playing well at the top of his game, and then all of a sudden you go to the that's not I said that in the post that you jump to the new hot name that's out there and get this new coordinator who has him stinking and he couldn't get right after that. And then that offense coordinator we had goes to Denver and has the Denver scrubs looking that much better. So I, I had an issue with that, but he's he's never been settled into an offense. Now, I have been critical of John Gruden and the way he uses uh, Derek Carr, but I've never had an issue with Derek Carr. I don't like the way they just sit him there and don't let him move around, schematically move around. I'm not saying that there are times where you know, he's had a chance to take off running and he hasn't. Yes, that's happened. But schematically, moving the pocket and having him buy some time by moving over and sliding with the pocket, um, John Gruden has never done that for him. And if you're going to play a team like the Rams who have a defensive front that's unreal 
you cannot let him just drop back uh, five steps and think every time he drops back, he's going to have a great look. It's, it's not going to happen. When Eric, like I said earlier, Aaron Donald is pushing that pocket all to be damned. You can't let your quarterback just get turned into a sitting duck like that. They're going to get jittery, which they should get jittery, and they'll they'll not play well. Like you have to, you have to do things to put them in a good situation. And he's supposed to be an offensive guru, but I don't see it. Okay, so I, I'll take that. My my mistake when Rodney said when Rodney said X Y Z has him stinking. I didn't know that he wasn't putting the stinking part on the person he said was stinking. So my bad, my bad on that. I didn't know that you weren't holding him accountable for that. And I and I and get me wrong. I like Tyrod Taylor when he was a Raider. I did. I I think Tyrod Taylor can play. I just would prefer Derek Carr over Tyrod Taylor if I had to if I was picking two quarterbacks and well one quarterback and those two guys were there, I would go Derek Carr first. Well, Rodney is the one that shared the post in 2014 saying that NFL execs would take Derek Carr over Colin Kaepernick and then Rodney did the I, I didn't say it, they did. So I could see Rodney taking Derek Carr over plenty of people at this point. I just, okay. All right, Rodney. I, I see the type of quarterback you like. Thanks for clearing that up for us. Derek Carr over Colin Kaepernick, Derek Carr over Tyrod Taylor, Derek Carr over Russell Wilson, huh? Derek, Derek Carr over Vince Evans. I see how you see how you work. Yeah. <laughs> I, see I, you work. I, I see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's not get into Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Rodney ready to kill Deshaun Watson today. Oh yeah. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. See, that was Deshaun Watson versus Kyler Murray. (laughs) Apples and apples. He had already said he had already said Cam's first win was a fluke. Oh boy, look at him missing Tom Brady. Apples and (laughs) apples. Look at Rodney missing Tom Brady. Oh man. All right, all, all jokes aside, Rodney said none of that. Uh, he's not Candace Owens, so I made all that up. <laughs> he, is, he is not her, okay? He is or, not she. Or her big brother. Yeah, or her big brother. He is not she. All right, bam. All right, so I'm ready to move, but I know Rodney specifically wanted to talk about the debut of, of, of Cameron Newton, and I guess at some point we'll probably talk about the debut debut of uh, one Thomas Brady also. But uh, you want to kick us off with with New England, Rod? Well, we're not going to go deeply into Cam Newton's outfits post-game. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Where he looked like a lady from the mother's board at church. We're not going to go into that. Um. Oh, man. But I was impressed with his play, and I was impressed with the play calling for him. And I thought it was it was good that he got that first win on open the day to shut up the naysayers because I'm sure they were out there. Exactly. 
and just, just happy, happy for him, man. He 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 got out there. The team showed out. They they did well. Just it was just a good motivation victory for him. Yeah, you know he needed that in his career right now. And I yeah. I, I think they're gonna do well. Yeah. So I and I know that there are. I, Trey can tell you better than us, and since we're not a betting podcast, I don't really care, but I just thought about this. I know that there are polls out there, not polls, but like there are lines on how one team is going to do versus the other, and it's and it's Tampa Bay and New England. And I believe that the first time that I saw it in the offseason was that it was New England plus four, meaning – they had Tampa Bay going 10 and 6 with Tom Brady and New England going 6 and 10 with Cam Newton. And so again, it was week 1, there was no preseason and I know that definitely affected the 49ers in a negative way. Um and clearly affected the the Las Vegas Raiders in a positive. No, I don't know. I didn't watch your game. You guys probably just won. It was that was a close close game though, right? That game came down to the wire, right, Rod? The Raiders uh, not not quite the wire, but yeah, it was close, thirty four thirty. Okay. Um, um, and I know yeah. that I know yeah. the yeah L A Chargers game was close too. But I'll say this: if you are keeping track, America, then that's uh, Cam Newton the game up on on Tom Brady. That's one and zero versus zero and one, and they didn't play each other. And I don't think that they do play each other this year. But you know, for, for it's. These are the things that you guys care about for whatever reason. Like that Cam needed a team and that team needed someone like Cam Newton. And so they lucked out because nobody else jumped at Cam Newton. So lucky New England. And Tom Brady wanted a change. And Tampa Bay wanted to come off of Jameis Winston. And so if you already want to come off of Jameis Winston, then you're going to feel like there would be a number of proven people who would be upgrades, whether they are or not. But you would definitely feel that. So there you go. And is Jameis? He's not in New Orleans, is he? Yeah. Oh well, Jameis Winston is one up, one up on you too, Tom Brady, because <laughs> he was uh, actually holding the headset in that game. So there you go. Yeah, All right, he got the change he was looking for. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so so Rodney is a Raider fan and clearly everybody takes every win they can get, but that's a hell of a start for Las Vegas. Want to know, like, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the Raiders are not used to that. Okay. So want to know, good for Rod. I got the Chargers. And uh, let me be clear. I have the Chargers in the whole AFC. Was that a compliment and a diss at the same time? Yeah, it sounds like that. It no, sounded like that. I don't have a problem with the Raiders. That was one of those black people uh, right. compliments. You know how they like right. smile and, and pat your shoulder, but they're like giving you a gut punch at the same time. That like, like a, a sorry, like, not sorry. <laughs> like when they say you clean up well, that means normally you're a bum, but you look good today. Or you're really filling out, that means you're fat. Hey. Especially, so let's go back to the you you clean up well. Especially if you look mediocre that day, 
and they just complimented you and said you clean up well, you thinking to yourself, boy, I must normally look terrible because this is not even a good day. Gracious. Yeah, I feel you on that. So let me be clear. I don't want there to be any ambiguity to what I'm saying. I want to be clear. In the entire American football conference, I choose the Los Angeles Chargers in 2020-21. There it is. No diss to the Raiders. The Raiders could even win the AFC West. I just have the Chargers. They won't. But I just have the Chargers coming out of the AFC. So there you go. Do you really? Well, let me ask. Let me. So I don't want to be disrespectful, Rodney. Do you expect the Raiders to win the AFC West? Yes. No. Second. I expect them to finish behind the Chiefs. Oh, to the Chiefs. Realistically, yes. So you're saying second to the Chiefs? Realistically, yes. No, I I expect the Eagles to win their division. With the Chargers in third. Well, let me tell you. And whoever that other orange team, the the Sea Donkeys, they can come in last. Listen, buddy, if your team doesn't win that division, Trey, then, like, there needs to be some, there need to be some wholesale changes because there's no competition in your division. And that's and 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 that's exactly why I'm pretty bothered today. Well, but you guys got too many injuries, man. You can't lose both of your starting tackles and expect the team to be the same. Man, let me ask you this: When you start off seventeen to nothing, <laughs> uh, you can't keep doing what you was doing to get well, you to. That that no, that sounds like a Raider issue. That normally means no halftime adjustments. Well, hold on, and and Rodney has posted about that a number of times. But let me hold on, Rob. Before you answer, let's make sure that Trey is not talking to Kawhi and PG <laughs> and Doc Rivers. Are you are you talking football right now, Trey? Are you talking basketball? Oh, those 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 cats over there too, man. They're in trouble now. There's been a PG sighting lately. He he's not in P Valley anymore. He's back well, in the bubble. But we talk specifically. But Trey is asking specifically about can't you do enough to hold on once you have that 17 point cushion, 19 point cushion midway through the third or whatever it may be. Like when you're up, and, and as a matter of fact, they were up 22. When you're up 22, no, that was the Lakers that were up 22. When you're up 19. And then you go down by 17 and lose by 13 in a in an 18 minute span. That's tough. Like, did you even score? And then people come back and say, "Oh, but if they play the Lakers, they'll beat them." Stop. You won't. Well, well, I think I think people's issue with the Clippers are that they play they only play hard against the Lakers, which they seem to do. They don't seem to play hard against everybody. Um, they can fall down 17 points to the Lakers if they want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If they want to. Because the big difference there is when the Lakers were up by 22 and they let them run it all the way back to eight, they then pushed it back up to 12, and then they pushed it up to 30. Like They, they knew how to right the ship. They knew how to write the ship. And I think, and I'm on record letting you guys know, and this is two rounds now where I've said, 
you know, that, that game one that I did expect the Lakers to win both times was a feeling out game. And I expected the Lakers to make the right kind of adjustments so that they would clamp down. And I, I also said for, for this Houston series, I expect them to win it in five. But even if they don't win it in five, I expected them to get to three to one and then lose game five and then win game six. But I expected them to win game five. And, and so that, that came to fruition. And then on the other side, <clears throat> I obviously picked Denver in that series. And I said, I hope it wouldn't come back to haunt me, like with Denver, like being so good that they wind up beating the Lakers. You know, like, you know, like I, I was, you, you cheer for teams to do well, maybe against someone that you don't like. And then when they come back and bite you, that, that sucks. Like I, I was pulling for Kansas city in the AFC to my, to my peril to my personal peril because they wound up beating us. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm going to say the, uh, I got Denver. I think he lost him. Yeah. He's freezing up. Basically, can you hear us? think his connection is fighting <laughs> yeah um but i'll say mark malone impressed me uh with his change in i guess you could say his options of course jamal murray is still his go-to and no is still a go-to but um People forget that Millsap was a 20 and 10 guy for most of his career and was an all-star in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like he's very capable of being a go-to player down the stretch if they need him for that. But they, up until now, they didn't need him to do that. And now with it started to be desperation time, you know, he stepped it up. And the Clippers have no answer for it. It's like, okay, well, you're already trying to make Harold play against, you know, Nokic. Now, who do you have to stop Millsap? Because now, okay, if you're going to switch this guy to that guy, we're just going to use this other guy. And you're going to run out of defenders, or run out of quality defenders to stop everybody. You can't stop everybody. Um. And that's what's going on. I hate this new style defense where they put the guards. It's kind of like a matchup zone where they put the guards on the box and they put the bigs up top. And they're trying to guard against inverted picks where the guards are setting picks for bigs now versus the other way around, how it used to be the bigs were setting picks for guards to get them open. Now the guards are setting picks for bigs so the defensively they're using guards on the box so that when the ball swings to the corners those guards are quick enough to get out there and you know cover that which is why it's important in this new style basketball to have great wing defenders which that's what I was saying about Miami if I had remembered that they had Crowder and Iguodala on the wings 
then I wouldn't have expected Bucks to just run through them like I thought they would. Um, my pick probably would have been the Bucks in seven, but I knew that it would have been much tougher. Um, so now what happens is when you put Lou Williams or Patrick Beverly, who was the catching the blunt end of that, now Patrick Beverly is matched up against Patrick Millsap, and he's not going to stop him down there. He fouled out. What, he played a total of like 17 minutes? So he's already, you know, trying to stop guards on the other end, and now you get him trapped down there on the box against a big? That that That's not going to happen. Um so they, the Clippers got a lot of pressure on them. They they should have they should have won that game and closed it out. And sometimes when the snowball starts getting bigger and bigger, you cannot stop it. It just it just keeps growing. Nope. Doc, Doc is going to really have to coach now, and they're going to have to step up their play. They finally got Paul George to start taking taking meaningful shots. And not just being out there filling up a jersey, but and and the Clippers, I'll say this: the Clippers had a lot of good looks on shot. They were missing floaters down the stretch, the last ten minutes of the game, or almost the whole second half. Just easy shots that they normally make, they all of a sudden weren't falling. Um, and I heard my son came in yesterday and said, "Dad." Um, my friends were saying that if the Clippers lose this series, they're going to fire Doc Rivers. I don't think that's going to happen. You're not going to find someone. There's no one out there better than Doc, especially for that team. So I disagree with firing him just for the simple fact you want to just bring somebody in just to do it. No, your players got to play. Doc can only do so much. Um, but they're gonna have to really step it up in the second half. They they can't they can't continue to like miss those little hip shots like that, or put those those guards in bad situations where because Millsap just he went to the line over and over again. It seems like just picking up fouls on little people. Speaking of little people, rest in peace, Wee Man. Thought I'd just throw that out there. Wee Man from Jackass passed passed away one of my favorites so, really yeah wow didn't know that yeah. yeah and if you've ever seen the bar fight on jackass you'd be a lifetime fan <laughs> uh yeah so who else can give you every line from every episode of martin ever and also give you something about a bar fight at jackass <laughs> nobody but rodney nobody but rodney Ah, uh, boy, that guy diverse. But then, but then he can give you so every word I write should be a hip hop quotable, and he can quote Noah and Noah from Noah and the Ark. So <laughs> it's wacky, and I'm talking firsthand quotable. The original rapper Noah. Um, all right, so it, it's interesting, uh, Doc Rivers. It, it's it's one of those things where I didn't realize that I guess I did, but I didn't. I didn't realize they'd never been to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, you know, since they've been good again, 
good again. Uh, I'm sorry, since they've been good. I didn't realize that. Um, and I still feel like Doc has put them in position to do really well year over year. And I, I feel like Doc should be able to write his ticket. I feel like there have been a ton of coaches in in recent memory that have been able to write their own tickets, like D'Antoni. I'm sure he'll have a job today. Um, and so Doc should be able to do whatever Doc wants, even if Doc goes down. Now, the naysayers who feel like Doc should go would probably say that Teron Lou should take over the, the team. But I agree with you that it should be Doc. Win or lose tomorrow, it should be Doc. Yeah. Win or lose on Tuesday, it should be Doc. However, let's talk coaching. And let me ask you this. Teron Lou to Houston, what do you think? I don't think it'd be a good fit because Houston's style of play with the players that they have, Tyron Lou's not a coach that coaches just run and gun, shoot 65 threes in a game. That's not his style at all. And he actually plays defense. You know what I mean? Uh, Houston doesn't play much of that. So I feel like if he was uh, a coach over there, then um, it wouldn't be a fit for him. Can't hear you, AC. You're muted. I know. I wasn't. I wasn't responding uh, to you. Uh, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he would be a good fit. Okay. But, and I hate to say this, they can't win with Russell Westbrook. So. I would move. I would move him and get the most value for him right now. And that's, move on. That's another thing I was going to say. I was going to say if they bought him in, they got to move players. I, I, I would whatever I could get for him: draft picks, first round draft picks, or or primarily another really top notch veteran, or even a couple of veterans that don't have to be top notch, but just good at what they do. Um. I would, I would move him. He's, uh, he's too erratic. So, so, so if you move him, then who do you bring in? Like I said, you can you can well, find somebody like a, a Millsap, like a, you know, quality veterans that that have been there and done that, and draft picks. Somebody. Like like Lou Williams or Millsap, guys with like, you know they can play, but they got value con they got contracts that that can be moved. Um, that so they're and and they're the key piece for a contending team because you you need bargaining chips just in case something doesn't go right. But Westbrook is not the answer. You think Westbrook is washed up, or he's just not a good fit on that team? He's not. He's he's not a good fit for a championship team. Not not to be the key for it. I say that not to be the key for, and he's a key right now for Houston. Um, because everybody on the team say he's the best teammate out there to have. 
he might be the best teammate. Yeah, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy. He'll ride for him. He'll he'll bend over backward. But sometimes we got to separate that friendship or that great teammate for what they bring to the table. And at the end of the day, it's winning and losing. You can be a, a a-hole like Kareem and deliver and – well, like Kareem was, I won't say like Kareem because apparently like Kareem was perceived to be right. Well, yeah, I've I've heard some firsthand stories where Kareem was a, a he he would beat you down, <laughs> um, and this is from his teammates. And so, so um, so then so then that puts him with the greats of all time, right? Kareem, Jordan, Kobe. Well, I don't know if those others you mentioned were that way in public, but Kareem oh, was you're like that, in public. Kareem was like that pretty much twenty four seven. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> what I'm saying is, he wasn't considered the ideal teammate, or even Barry Bonds. They said he was a diva and he had to have this special chair in the locker room. But game time, the dude killed it, um, and they were winning. So for me, it's more that you have to, and some players are good, as good as they can be, are not going to be that championship guy. Like there, there are some that are built for it and there are some that have really great skills, but are not that championship guy. And for me, he's, he's in that category. He's, I, I need you to, I need you to dig deeper on this Kareem thing. Though. I can't let you off of this. You just, you Kareem, gotta, as you said, was perceived as a, a a-hole. Now, that's not... Well, you, you said it. I was trying to help you out of he was. Well, because he seemed to to come out of that now. He's Kareem is, is much more media-friendly. He's much more visible. He's much more, much more social than he ever was in his playing days. Now, I've heard firsthand from some of his teammates... I was like... That if a little kid, you know, approached Kareem with a camera and said, hey, Mr. Abdul-Jabbar, can I take a picture of you? He'd be like, he was like Clubber Lang on Rocky. Get that camera out of my face. And he would just smack it down in pieces. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Um, you know, I, I've heard some serious stories about Kareem from back in the day. And he wasn't, he wasn't the nicest guy. I'll say that. But apparently, that's not him anymore. Um, and that perception has hurt him as far as being a coach. You know, so it's there. And it hurt, it, it hurt him as being the GOAT. Because you treat that media bad, they're going to have negative stories to write about you. Now, I'm not saying you got to kiss their butt. Yeah, I, I, I you know, they definitely don't want you to be standoffish and, you know, not want to talk to them. Yeah, and but they, and they write your future. That, well, that's that's I, I still say that's why To can't get a job because To. You're talking about two different eras, and and I and I really do think it's unfair, especially since the majority of the media members were white males when Kareem was coming up and they had, pro hold on, let me get it out. They had problems with him, be with him becoming Muslim. They had problems with him changing over from Lou Alcindor to 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he wasn't standoffish to the black media members. He he gave them exclusives. He gave them insight. He let the Brad Pye Juniors in. He let the Jim Hills in even before they became big. You know, he helped them get big with letting them in. But yeah, he was standoffish because of the things that were written about him, because of the way that he was he was perceived. Oh, he's a troublemaker like like Cassius Clay. He's a troublemaker like Jim Brown. These guys are all da-da-da-da-da. So just because, and I know that you're saying more than media, but just because you have a problem with the media, I feel like he knew what would happen. And he was like, hey, listen, you're not going to get that access to me. Whatever comes of it, comes of it. But when you look at his six rings, the media can't dispute his his greatness. Now, if you feel like it, it hurt him with coaching also, that's that's probably possible. And that's something that he didn't necessarily see. And Andrew Bynum didn't hurt, didn't help matters because Andrew Bynum didn't turn into anything, even with Kareem being his his actual official consultant with the Lakers. Andrew Bynum just overall just just sucked. So maybe if he would have turned into something, then Kareem would have gotten that that next look. But Kareem was always his own man. And listen, I don't and guess who you I don't want just because I don't want what everybody else wants. And those were the days when not not a lot was going on anyway. Like people were they were actually having autograph sessions that you had to pay for and all of that. Like that stuff is different now than it was then. But just because he didn't want to be uh really nice to kids and other people want to take pictures with him doesn't mean that that he wasn't a good teammate. I hear that you're saying you have more evidence, but I'm saying that can't be the evidence. I agree with everything you said. I'm okay. just saying the perception of him, because I probably should have used that word uh going in, but the perception of him is he's a uh a-hole. Um and not necessarily the greatest of teammates. I won't say he wasn't a bad teammate. He just was a teammate that was set standoffish. If the guys are going out, he ain't going. If you know, he not you're not gonna get him in some, you know, conversation when he's tired. He's not gonna be sitting on the car on, on the on the team playing or bus playing cards with everybody. He's gonna sit in the back and listen to jazz and you know, and some people can find that standoffish and as a not not a good teammate. I don't think that's what makes you not a good teammate. Um, and so back to Russell, Russell Westbrook, I'm sure he's a great teammate because Russ is, when, when, when things are going tough, Russ is in your corner um, and will jump first, you know, for, for his teammates, for what I've seen. But when it comes to on court, because I look on court and off court, on court when things start to get in disarray, um, you know, just just the other night, he he was losing it with with uh, Rajon Rondo's brother. Now Rondo's brother got uh, secure got security removed him from the from the stadium, but you got a game to play. And you worried about somebody calling you trash from the sideline? That that's that's you not helping the team. That and that part is not being a good teammate. Yes. Okay. So I am I have 
I am documented as saying Russell Westbrook has his deficiencies. And I and I do have something to, to contribute to the Houston Rockets conversation or this topic that we're talking about. But I love when I can speak specifics with you. And so since Rodney introduced the bubble, I, I want to address that. And I don't usually step up and say that the people who I think engage with people and probably shouldn't like Tice with the with the the Boston bad guys and Marcus Smart with the Boston bad guys. Like the thing with Russell Westbrook with it being Rondo's brother. Here's the problem for me, Rod, with with your with your argument, your assessment of his behavior. This is the bubble. You got some friends and family in there, and then Ray John Rondo's brother has the bonus of being not just a family member, but he's been in the bubble because he's a, a, apparently the leader of the barbers, whatever that means. I don't know if he brought his shop or whatever, or he's doing the distribution, but you know, whatever, he's furthering his nice living in the bubble. Like he's actually getting paid to be in the bubble, but you're in the bubble. And so we know how you're supposed to be as an official, when you're an official watching a game, what you guys may not know is how we are as members of the media, how we have to act and react when we're at games. The friends and family are supposed to be under that same thing. It's, it, it, and actually it's a, it's, it's the, like the media, but with the caveat, you can cheer for your team. You can cheer for your your family members' team. You could cheer for your family member. You could cheer for the family member, family members' teammates. But you can't antagonize people. Like he's the only one that's in there doing that. And the problem, Rod, is that this is not a normal game. Where, well, how, why did he hear Rajon Rondo's brother over everybody else in the crowd? He's the only one that you can hear in the crowd because it's the bubble. And, and you have to show restraint. And I don't mean Russ. I mean Mr. Rondo. You think he's trash? Well, he's not. You're the barber. He's the NBA player who's the, the most versatile on that court, even though he's messing up. He's more versatile than anybody on that court. And and I and I would take anybody to argue me down on that. He's not trash. Well, no, I'm sorry. They were playing the Lakers. I take that part back. More versatile than anybody on his team. That's what I meant to say. More versatile than anybody on his team not more versatile than anybody on the Lakers, more versatile than anybody else on Houston, and you're calling them trash, that's fine in a normal setting where you could just talk trash. But you have signed a waiver saying that you're not going to do these things. And so you should know better. Nobody else has gotten into it with anybody. We haven't even seen the fans. Nobody else. So if someone is talking directly to Russell Westbrook and he is not being stopped, then I am okay. Sorry, it took me so long to get here. I'm okay with Russell turning around, saying, "Wait, are you? What are you? I just want to clarify: Are you talking to me? And if so, what did you say? And it's not like it affected his game. Yeah, they were down already, Rod. I get that, but they weren't in the game, so it's not like they were about to come back. But even more so, why did Rondo's brother need to say anything? But if you're not supposed to say anything, I have no problem with the player addressing him. That's like people coming close to the court saying stuff or throwing stuff on the court or any of that. Like this is that same thing when you're in this unique situation where you're supposed to shut the hell up and just watch the game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, he mentally checked out. But it looked like Westbrook 
said, like, asked a question, like, you talking to me? And then his brother went on to say something else. And then that's when it's like, yo, this is personal. For, for me, he mentally checked out. Um, even if somebody is breaking the rule in the stands, you can't let that affect what you're doing on the floor as a player. And I argue that it didn't. I, uh, it to me it looks like his it train wreck was his train wreck for that game, right? <laughs> yeah. It was a train wreck, right? And it wasn't because of Rondo's brother. Yeah, but right? but this this has happened, and not just in the bubble. This has happened several times. Okay, fine. I'm not now. I'm, not, I'm only talking about the bubble. I, so I, I, guess, I, I guess I can just sum it up by saying he doesn't have the mental makeup to be a champion, and therefore I would move him from Houston. They're not going to win with that. Okay, so I have always had a problem with your when your best player or the person perceived to your to be your best player can't like doesn't even attempt to play defense can't play any defense at all i know he lucked out in that that block and i'm saying it was luck that block against uh the nuggets and this is not like a a steph curry thing where they say well steph doesn't play defense can't play that's that's different to me steph is a champion and he's surrounded by champions actually he's surrounded by champions on the perimeter and when I don't feel like James Harden even tries, I, I just I don't think they could win, even if you got everything that you could get from Russell Westbrook. Russ, Russell Westbrook. However, as this team is made up, do I believe that they will win? No. They need more size. Like, can you imagine if PJ Tucker did not have to play center? Like if PJ Tucker could just settle in even at the four and have some, they'd automatically be better with the team that they have. If he had a center, like if he wasn't the starting center, but he was the starting four or whatever, or three, however you work him in, but not as the center, I think it's something. But I do believe that Russell Westbrook has the has the I don't even want to say potential at this point because I don't I don't think it's about potential. I think he has the makeup. I think he has the tools to be extremely successful and be a champion. He, he has the tools. But I think that, and I don't agree with Rodney all the time, but I think that Rodney's right, at least with what Russell Westbrook is exhibiting, it's not there mentally for championship basketball. Not saying that he's got a mental problem, but no. I don't think he's got the mental metal right now to be a champion i don't think that paul uh that james harden does either though i don't either i, think, I, I don't think that either one of them do i think but, that eric gordon does which is hilarious but i think i think, I think james harden's game if you if you change some of the parts around him his game can survive um more than Russell Westbrook's at the, at this point in their careers. Like you can hide James with with this Euro ball, you can hide James Harden with the right defensive scheme. With the right components, yeah. Now you can't really hide the fact that Russell Westbrook takes a lot of 
bad shots, a lot. Um, and shots that they're giving him because they know that he will take the bait. Like there's a reason they're leaving you this far open when you take that shot. They've watched film on you. They've scouted you. They know that you don't hit it and you continue to take it. And now you're like one for eight, one for nine, one for 10, two for 12. I mean, like there's a reason for that. Now that's where analytics is, is helpful. I don't like the fact that analytics has completely run the NBA, but I do think it's useful for some things. Like if, 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 you know, they know that you only make shots from your left side. Yeah. Analytics is great for that. Keep them, keep, keep them shooting on the right side because they're going to hit them on the left side. Um, but I don't like the way it's completely changed basketball where they're just, because my biggest issue from watching that game and some of the other games is that it's not valuing possessions down the stretch. Like you're down by four, it's four minutes to get four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, you you there's been a back and forth battle, you know where where a, a lot of things are critical, calls are critical, plays are critical, and then you know I watched a player come down, didn't set up a, a play, just launched a three from like 28 feet, and I'm like. Where is the value for this possession? I know that that's analytics and you want to keep on getting up as many threes as you can, but this is not the time for that. And so when I watch Westbrook play, you know, and especially if somebody's in his ear saying, oh, you can't do this, oh, you can't do that, and they're leaving you open and you're steadily trying to shoot that, and maybe it's because you feel like well, I'm wide open, I'm going to shoot it. Or maybe it's because this person is in your ear and you're trying to prove that I'm not trash and I can make this shot. And from the from the guys that we've seen who has won championships, when somebody's in your ear, it doesn't matter who it is. From what we've seen, those championship calibers players have stepped up. They haven't shied away from taking shots or calling for the ball, or whatever the case, they've raised their game up a notch. And so, like I said, Russ is probably a great guy. I don't know him personally, but I believe he's he's a great guy and probably great in the locker room. And he does a lot of great things well, which for me, if I was coaching him, I would have said, hey, use your strengths. You know, attack the basket. Stop stop settling for all these jump shots. They can't guard you off the dribble. You're too quick. Go to the basket. But he wasn't doing that. Um, but on the floor, you got to have that mental makeup. And that's what, that's what the championship caliber players have. They go to their strength and they do it to death. So that's 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 why I would say Tyron Lou would be fine because look who he's he's replacing somebody that tells you to shoot within seven seconds of the shot clock. 
So, so I'm glad you brought it back to that ride, and and I, you know, we could close this out. Well, I had a couple more coaches to throw at you guys for Houston, but <clears throat> so the Russell thing. Just I want to close Russell out. So I, I feel like we agree that it's just not there, but the tools are there, and so I feel like his game can be tweaked because here's the thing with the 23 games going into the bubble. Do you know what his numbers were? Mm-mm. Trey, you know? No, I don't. Uh-uh. 33, 8, and 8, and 52%. You couldn't have imagined that in the bubble. So he was clearly going. We know he's my, my brother can't shoot, right? So we know he was going into the rack, going to the rack getting fouled, also making layups, taking people off the dribble, maybe pulling up eight-footer, but not shooting all those threes because he's not a three-point shooter. He's not a long-range shooter. That's not his game. You can't can't tell. I said you can't tell Westbrook that he's not that, though. Well, okay. Because so, he, he one, he'll say he can't. <laughs> he, he is. But my so my okay, fair enough. My what I'm what I'm arguing, and you guys are telling me I'm wrong, and that's fine. But I just want to get the actual argument on no, record. We, we agree with you on that. No, no, just, my, no, no, one A and a one B. <laughs> my argument is that that is coaching. That like that's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. Like, yes, he is very headstrong. And to your point, Rod, what do championship caliber players do? They don't let you get in their head. They feel like their game is their game. So they're going to keep punching you in the mouth, right? They're going to do whatever they need to do. So if Russell has it in his head that he is a shooter right now, then he's going to keep – he's going to overcompensate. He's going to keep, like, trying to get it all back with a whole bunch of threes, even if they're not going in, instead of what we know can get him over the hump Go to the hole and get fouled. That's Take somebody off the dribble, kick it out. I know that you average a triple-double in bonus ball. I know that Rodney doesn't believe in the assists or the rebounds overall because, you know, Russell could have had a triple-double in the first half, but <laughs> first quarter. But if he would have done some of those things and had been being coached to do those things, then maybe Houston winds up, within a better standing in this series. So what I'm saying is I believe that Harden Harden's production can get better if he has better pieces. But I I believe, but I also believe Russell what can he just we're going from game to game and you're against the Lakers, you feel like you got to do it all and you don't realize that you can't really shoot. So I feel like it can be fixed. I'm saying as they are right now and as they are mentally, they can't win. But I believe they can win. I don't I didn't like the trade. I didn't I didn't I, shit, I didn't think it was fair to Chris Paul that he got traded to the doldrums of Oklahoma City and look what he did. Boy, is that an amazing story. But I feel like it's coaching that had them get pummeled by the Lakers. Cuz here's my question to both of you. To each of you, if Russell Westbrook can't shoot a pee in the ocean, then what else is he giving you right now? Maybe you put him on the bench and talk to him and bring somebody else in because what are you losing if you feel like he's completely ineffective? You have to be able to coach. So 
He he just needs somebody to tell him stop shooting outside and go to the basket. That's also, inside That's first, inside first, inside first. And 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 I and to be fair, I understand why he was doing it because they were trapping James Harden past half court and getting the ball out of his hands. But at the same time, like I said before, James Harden has to be smart enough to say, okay, they're trapping me near this sideline. Let me give the ball up and get it right back. Like, don't give it up and then just just go stand on the weak side on the other side of the floor and wait for it to swing to you. And so, so Westbrook felt like, okay, they're doubling my man. He's the first option. I'm the second option. I'm one on one with this guy. I got to be the one who takes their shots. They're not even. They're not even doubling me. They're they're leaving me one on one, which they were. And he and there were a few times that Westbrook actually posted up some guards and and you know got a favorable matchup in the post and got some baskets, which is what he should have done. Yes, routinely. Um. So, like I said, he can't mentally let them bait him and he has to see what's going on. And like, that's the thing that separates people like, like a Kobe or MJ or a magic. They understand what you're trying to do right away. And it doesn't take them long to say, you know what, we need to switch this. We, we, this is what I'm going to do to them from now on. You know what, you know what I feel like happened they traded Chris Paul for Westbrook. I feel like Westbrook got there and Don Tony said, can you do everything that Chris Paul can? Westbrook said, yes. He said, learn the offense and we're good. Because it seems like that's the same thing that they do where Chris Paul, you can't give him that shot like they give Westbrook. Well, and Chris Paul can get to the basket and everything the same way Westbrook can. He's not as quick as Westbrook, but he can get there. But Westbrook out there shooting them same shots, doing that same one-on-one pull-up that Chris Paul does. Chris, the difference is Chris Paul makes it. See well, I, I would say Chris, he's, Chris Paul is as quick, but he's not as fast. He's not as fast. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So he's enough to wear, and Chris Paul got – Probably the slickest dribble that I've seen in ever, years. ever, ever. Close to it. Ever. I mean, like, he is slick with the ball. He ever. can he can penetrate deep anytime he feels like it. Um, but you know what? I was impressed with Chris Paul this season because Chris Paul has not shown the mental makeup over the course of his career, and. This particular season, he completely settled down in the fourth quarter without, without going back and forth with people, without losing it over a call, without anything like that, and actually just straight up blocked it out and balled. And I was, I was completely impressed with Chris Paul. And to AC's point, I think that that – the right coach could settle Westbrook down at times, but you know, this far in his career, do you guys, do you guys know where, where Houston uh, traded Clint Capella to? Okay. Well, you're out of school right now, right? 
I don't know where they're trading them. Okay, so move on to something else that you can make up, and then I'll come back and when I get off of this, I'll, I'll help you with the math. Okay. <laughs> I think he, he was muted. He was. No, kids just flying everywhere. Look behind you, Trey. That's hilarious. I, cer I certainly thought I was muted. I turned around like. <laughs> they were behind you the whole time, just chilling. <laughs> they came and said they wanted to put this watch on, but I thought they were still standing over on the side. What's up, Colin and Kyler? What up, what up? Kyler, I'm boycotting you for a week because of your name. No, I didn't. Boycott all Kylers for one week. All right, so just just trying to um, just trying to close this out, Rod. When we look at the the West, so what Trey said about Dan Tony said, "Hey, can you do everything that Paul, Chris Paul can do?" Yeah, okay, good. Learn the offense. First of all, that's hilarious, Trey. That's the funniest thing you've ever said. But if that guy, that guy who I don't feel is a good coach, did that, then what? What better reason to say that was this season was determined to be a failure for the Rockets? Because they didn't bring Maury didn't bring in Westbrook to do what Chris Paul did. He brought him in to enhance the offense. Like he felt that Chris Paul's pieces for that team were would not be as good as Westbrook's pieces. For that team it's not about who's a better player it's about who's a better fit so he felt that he would be a better fit and my argument is yes i feel like chris uh that russell westbrook has to own everything that happened with him this season but i feel like if any of these coaches that we're about to name come in and actually decide to coach him coach the team then and this is unfortunate because they're in the west but then it's going to be a, a, a different story even with those pieces. And I and, and here's the other big thing. I don't think you can trade Westbrook. I don't think that there are going to be takers because Westbrook makes a lot of money and he's not coming off of his MVP seasons. I don't think that anybody's going to take him right now. So you need to figure out what you're going to do with your roster. And I think it starts with the coach. And I think D'Antoni was a terrible coach for that Team and I'm and I believe that he believes it and that's why he's gonna go do something else. Houston stopped being a championship quality caliber contender to me when they let Trevor Ariza go. Yeah, Trevor Ariza was huge with that system yeah. and it showed how they were meant because he was a defensive threat too. Yeah, agreed. But they but. They were locked into just getting the most out of Harden that they can. They were going to build around him, and his numbers skyrocketed under Dan Tony because of the system, of course. Um, they're not saying that that he can't play because he can play, but you know he he benefited from that system. Quite that's just what it is. Um, but because of the way he plays and because of the way Westbrook plays, it's going to be hard because they both are players that need the ball in their hands from the, from the start. Um, because Harden has become accustomed to that now, and he wasn't always like that. And, but there, there, is, there is still a way. They just, they're going to have to get some size 
Yes. It's going to have to be reconditioned and unlearn all this nonsense that they learned over the past couple of seasons. That part of it is easy, though. That, that's that's the thing. Easy. No, Rod, listen. No, it, I, I, this is why it's easy, because it's not damn Tony. No. Nobody's going to come in and try to have them be run. Okay, it's it's easy if they don't have a running gun coach. And I think that anybody can see this hasn't worked. So outside of Paul West, Paul, Westhead, yeah. Westhead. Well, yeah, Westhead, Westhead. Yeah, outside of Westhead and then Tony. <laughs> You're good. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a shot. Um, but uh, I just, the mental makeup part for both of them, Harden and Westbrook, I just don't think is there. They'll just be, they'll just be great players who go to the Hall of Fame who never won a ring. I'm, I'm, listen, I don't want them to win a ring, but I'm going to say this. You got a coach who won a championship who's looking for a job. You got a coach who played in the era, who played in the 80s, Nate McMillan, looking for a job. You got a championship caliber coach who's probably going to win a championship as an assistant this year, looking for a job. That's Jason Kidd. If you don't know, the first one was Teron Lou, Teron Lou, Nate McMillan. You got Fizdale looking for a job. Who's our guy from Toronto looking for a job? Don Casey. Is Don Casey? Yeah. No, he's not. He's not looking for a job. He's, he's somewhere. Oh, I was yeah, about to say, he's in Detroit, no, right? He's, he's employed. Detroit. Yeah, yeah. He's employed. You have people who will come in and demand things. And let's maybe take Fizdale out of it because I don't know how much he demands. No, no disrespect. I just know that these guys, as point guards that come in, especially in the era that they played in, they come in and, and demand certain things. And then, of course, there's Mark Jackson. Like, I feel like people can come in and change the mentality of this team, change the individual mentalities. And I say easy because it's not D'Antoni. If you said that D'Antoni had to change it, I think it would be a disaster. But someone else is coming in to try to fix what is broken. And I think that that can be easy. Is That's what I'm saying. Because I feel like, and I don't feel like, yes, Yes, Russell Westbrook needs the ball in his hands, but I think Russell Westbrook will be fine with trying to get the assist record, like trying to uh, average 20 assists a game. If that you give him that as a goal, he's gone. Okay, so 10 points, 20 assists, and five rebounds a game, I, let's go. So he needs it in his hands to start with, but he'll distribute it if that's and, what you're coaching. And and I think And I think another big thing is, when when these GMs hire coaches, they don't they don't pay attention sometimes to the coach's personality and the and their star player's personality. And you have to have personalities who can build on each other. Like like Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson were both business minded individuals. Like let's take care of business. Those whether they agreed or not. Their personalities matched. Kobe had that same "let's take care of business" mindset. Um, Magic had that uh, on the court, take care of business, but jovial, friendly. And Pat Riley was pretty laid back and calm. And and it and it matters because you have to have in the tougher times a coach who can communicate 
with that player, get them on board without there being. And I think Mark Jackson would probably be the best for Houston out of anyone. I don't. Whereas when I see Jason Kidd, you know, Jason Kidd is very headstrong and still relatively young. And he's just going to shoot it at you and he's not going to care what the hell you feel about it. And with Russell Westbrook's personality, that can, I could see friction coming with that one. Um, but the craziest thing out of all of this is I'm hearing that the top name for the Sixers is Dan Tony. So and I'm before, like, before, before I, I, we I go to that, that'll be a disaster. Trey, do you? I got something. Do you want to say something, Trey? Before I respond to Rodney? Yeah. I, no, go ahead, man. I just, okay. So I, I just feel like the Houston Rockets is becoming that Sacramento Kings team that just can never ever get over the hump. And I think with the D'Antoni thing, if he couldn't get that Phoenix Suns team a championship, that's the best it was going. That's the best it was going to get. Yep, because they had a couple of players on the team that would play defense. Amari Stoudemire liked to play defense. Raja Bell, and he was a yeah Raja Bell, and they were and he was a rim protector. They have none of that anymore. They just run and gun. So if that Phoenix team couldn't win a championship for him, then he will never, with that style, win a championship, ever. And he sells GMs on the fact that, hey, they think about that squad when they think of him and they think of the success. But they had the perfect players in place for Mm -hmm. that system to run. Roger Bell was not a player that was going to be taking shots. He was cool with that. Mm-hmm. Steve Nash was the guy who was going to keep the ball in his hands the whole game and run around a zillion screens and do pick and roll. So, and and you had Amari Stoudemire who at that time had limited offense. Like that pick and roll play was perfect for him because he wasn't a guy that was going to get a, a ball from the wing in the post and have to create his own shot. So it was perfect for him. But when you have you know, a different personnel like they were trying to sell to the Lakers. Hell no, that that wasn't going to work. And, it, and you know, it, you have to have shooters for that. And Russell Westbrook doesn't shoot at a high enough clip from the three point range for you to say, well, this is going to be successful. And like you said, Ariza was a perfect fit and they let go. Clint Capella was a perfect fit on that pick and roll they let him go. So what we do know is that Maury is in charge of that team. And we don't know what kind of input D'Antoni had, but I think we all agree that you just got a page on Facebook, Trey. We all agree that D'Antoni is, I just got an alert that Home Reynolds 1 is on Facebook. Um, we all agree that we don't like D'Antoni as a coach. For any anybody, like maybe maybe he can go coach Colin, and you know because of his his vast knowledge, then he'll turn Colin into somebody. But Colin is six, so 
I don't want him coaching an NBA team. But if you're Dan Tony, and I, I, I got, I'm going somewhere here. If you're Dan Tony and your contract ends on Saturday, and you get a call from Philadelphia as soon as the game is over because you're a free agent, and they say we want you to coach, who do you want to coach? Houston or Philadelphia? Philly. Yeah, that th- that's a no-brainer. So maybe that's yeah. why he. I, and I know he wants the guy. Obviously, after he told Houston, uh, uh, peace out, you know, I'm sure that he wants the Philly job. And, right. and they're saying but, that he's the top in line. I, like, think he already, I think he already knows where he's going. Yeah, he does. Just to, He just, does. Yeah, and, and so, but who, they, but they've they had have the some semblance of the Rooney Bowl, so who are they, they going to bring in? Because they still have to interview minorities. But, yeah, I think he's, so. Here's the thing. I got a couple things to, to respond to. So when you say, cha- not you, Rod, but when, when they state Steve Nash and they state championship pedigree, I'm confused. Unless that means someone who had the potential to win a championship because championship ped- pedigree means you come from championships or at least one. So I don't, I don't believe that they've said championship pedigree for Charles Barkley, championship pedigree for Jim Kelly, championship pedigree for Dan Marino. So I'm confused when they say championship pedigree for Steve Nash. Steve Nash does not have a ring, correct? Not at all. Okay. Um, And I've heard that they're going to bring Dirk in. For what? As Nash's assistant. Um, now he obviously has a championship, um, and of course, Hall of Fame, all of that, 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 but it's just, it's confusing to me when they throw words around that don't actually apply. I, you know, again, I'm just a stickler for that. That's why I won't won't say future Hall of Famer and all that, even though we know certain people will make it. One other thing I did want to comment on Rodney, when you talked earlier about them, the, the people having that, that mental makeup that you knew they were going to do xyz down the stretch and you named the greatest of all time you named kobe you named magic you named mj those were your three examples as great as they were they were also great at making other people better you didn't you didn't say kareem but you you include kareem in that they made other people better but here's the other thing about those particular three or even those four, you didn't say Kareem, so let's go with the three that you said. They were great. They just had raw talent, and they were great basketball minds, but they also did win with coaches who were either Hall of Famers or became Hall of Famers. Russell Westbrook has been coached by Mike D'Antoni and who else? Billy Donovan. <laughs> and who was the original, uh, his original uh, coach in uh, OKC? Doesn't uh, matter. Doesn't matter. Not a Hall of Famer. So, not even anyone with the championship. So, it's one of those, I just want to say, like, we don't really know what happens when the narrative changes in the locker room. I mean, excuse me, when the messaging changes. So that's my final word on Houston. I don't really want them to win, but I believe that it's, that it's it's coaching, and I believe that 
the the way the things that Russell Westbrook focuses on can be altered by coaching. I believe that he can be a. Uh oh, Rose. <laughs> we need a screenshot of that look right there. I know, right? Yeah, that's that's that serious look. <laughs> um. But yeah, to to a, to a certain extent, because there are other there were other players who won championships who had that same type of gene, who didn't have a championship coach like Chauncey Billups with Larry Brown. Um, you know, so Isaiah Thomas with with. Uh, with the Detroit, I mean his his coach prior to that wasn't a championship coach, right? Hey. But Isaiah was gonna do whatever at whatever cost to and and he stepped it up. I mean even when they didn't win the championship, the year that they didn't, the years that they didn't win, you could you could see a certain quality in Isaiah Thomas that you don't see in Westbrook or Harden or some of these other players that are playing right now. Certain players you do, certain players you don't. You don't see it in the big seven-footer from, from Philadelphia, uh, MB. You don't see that in him. You can look at him right now and tell. You do not see MB in, in MB. Like he's going to have the same type of career like Dwight Howard. Is he skilled enough to win one? Absolutely. But he's going to be like a Dwight Howard, I think. Probably so. And yeah. and he may, and and, and a coach, has, yes, but it takes it takes this up here until he, and gets he has the skill where a championship coach can come in and get him there. Now, but but these other players, they didn't need a coach to get them there. Their mentality was already there. And then you got some players that that like Shaq. Shaq had the skill level, but he needed a coach to get him there. Right. To tell him, hey, you know what? You can't just stay in one spot on the box. Yeah. The ball rotates. You're going to have to move your big butt that way and sometimes go get it. Yeah. Or you're going to have to step out on this pick and roll and show hard and get back and move your feet. Shaq didn't want to do those things prior to when Dale Harris was coached because Dale Harris was similar to – to uh Dan Tony. Right. The nice, the nice guy, the players coach, you know, let you get days off when you need them. You know, not gonna be too hard on you, not gonna be confrontational or tell you when you stink. You know, he 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 wants everything to be nice because he got a good team and he don't want to do nothing to mess that up. Exactly. And nothing and definitely nothing to piss off his superstar. So, you know, AC, I'm just saying, saying to Trey that there are players who you see the championship quality in that and there are others that you don't and there are some of those players who have won championships that that had it had to be pulled from and there are some who it didn't have to be pulled from who actually won like Chauncey Billups was one who didn't have have a championship coach but you saw the quality in him in the fourth quarter of of playoff games, even prior to them winning the championship, you saw 
Chauncey raised his level of play when it was necessary. Now, when Larry Brown came, that just was pretty much a fit made in heaven. But then you all you have the flip side where Joel Embiid has all the skill in the world, but he's going to need a championship coach to pull those traits out of him because he's his mindset is no different. I'm going to just put up some numbers. I'm going to have 30, 12, and, and 7. And I look like I had a great game because of numbers, but I really didn't. And, you know, th- those – it's like it's like eating food with empty calories, uh, for the lack of better. Yeah, I got you. Uh, go ahead, Trey. Close out. I just. <laughs> got these little ones here, man. Just waiting on school today. I can't believe it. <laughs> but yeah, man. I just wanna. Uh, you know, thank everybody for tuning in again. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, everybody be safe this week. It's always fun talking sports with my brothers. Um, I actually think that on our next podcast, we're going to be talking Lakers and Denver. I'm going to go out there and say that now. I think Clippers going to take a L. All the pressure's on them. Too much pressure. Too much pressure on them boys. Denver has... Nothing to lose, right? Uh, uh, the Clippers beat them in Game Seven. No, but yeah, we thought that they were going to win in Game Five. <laughs> yeah, but you know they made it harder. But I, I still think Doc will get them, get yeah. them ready. He will. Um, but yeah, man, I just want to say, you know, thank you to everybody. Everybody, be safe, man. Sorry, I got to get off. Got to tend to these kids and they school, man. But. Uh, <clears throat> Everybody out there, man, y'all be safe. Yeah, be safe, Trey. All right, Jamie. Yes, sir. Sorry, everybody. I, I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I wound up dropping off because there's an actual outage in my area. It's definitely not my Wi-Fi. And in fact, um, Apple. I enhance, I enhance people's Wi-Fi. Well, no, I said Trey's up. I said Trey's up. So if you, look, <laughs> I would show you, but there's an actual outage. Like my ring, nothing is online right now. That's why I hit you from my phone. And it's funny, I don't have the greatest phone signal in the house, but I'm always on Wi-Fi, so it doesn't matter. But luckily, I was able to come back in on my phone and on cellular to to close this out. So anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, Rod. Uh, no, man, uh, I have fun today. I, I'm waiting to see how, how this next week plays out. Shout out to Naomi Osaka. Yay! Uh, for really representing at that U.S. Open, um, and putting it all out there, loved her for that, and just continue to be safe and you know tune back up, tune in with us again next week so we can we can see the the outcome of these these conference semifinals and and we can talk about the the, the big boy games that matter going into this this final. Absolutely. Shout out to Naomi Osaka. I'm glad Rod remembered. Naomi Osaka is our cover this week with her Brianna Taylor uh, mask on. So thank you for that, Naomi Osaka. We are proud of you. Keep rising. Keep rising. Keep rising. Yes. And we got to get into this WNBA stuff next week. Uh, Playoffs. Keep, keep fighting for change, Naomi. Yes, we do. Uh, number one seed is the Las Vegas 
Aces or are, are yeah. the Las Vegas Aces. Number yeah. two seed, Seattle Storm. Number three seed, Los Angeles Sparks. Number four seed, Minnesota. Lynx. Lynx. And I'm not going to go below four, but the Sparks had an outside shot at the two seed and then wound up faltering down the stretch, losing to people who were not even in the running. And Las Vegas, on the other hand, won their games down the stretch and beat Minnesota for the league title. Yeah. Well, not Minnesota. They beat Seattle for the league title. And, and they so beat that's the how they Sparks the, the other day. <laughs> What'd you say? They beat the Sparks the other day. Yeah, yeah. But they, the Sparks also lost to, like, Chicago. They lost to, right. other than Las Vegas, they yeah. lost the game they shouldn't have lost. Las yeah. Vegas is the best team this year. So that was fine with that loss. But I'm, you know. But here's the thing. If it comes down to it and it comes down to one through four, you got Minnesota, who's got a gang of championships at Las Vegas, but it's obviously neutral. And you have the Sparks at Seattle, Seattle, but it's obviously neutral. I told you guys in the beginning, I had the Aces and the Sparks in the final because they're one in three. That can still happen. That's who I still have. The Aces are, are now expected to win it all. The Sparks will be uh, not so much a favorite until the second round. And then they would not be a favorite against Seattle, nor would they be a favorite against Vegas. But that's who I have. I believe that if the Sparks happen to falter, then the only way that Las Vegas, Nevada is getting a championship this year would be the uh, the Aces. Okay, Rod didn't take that as a radio shot. I don't know why. Because he was talking all that stuff earlier, but whatever. No, I'm thinking of two things at once. I'm hearing you, and then I'm thinking of some scenarios in my head about uh, about these games. So yeah, but yeah. Oh, let me show you guys something. So on my closeout, I want to show you guys what I believe in. Um, hustle is the most important word ever, and whether I'm talking about my company, Legal Hustle, or I'm just talking about hustle in general, hustle is important. It's always important to hustle. And when we talk about championship caliber people, championship caliber organizations, we're talking about hustle, the hustle of the players, the hustle of the coaches, the hustle of the organization, the GMs, all of that. And in business, those of us who are entrepreneurs like me, Rod, Trey, we hustle. So, hey, keep grinding out there, everyone. Keep hustling. Just know that whatever work you're putting in, you're going to get more out of it. But when you put in less, then you're going to get even less. So I mean, that's what I mean. When you put in positive work, you're going to get more out of it. When you don't put in the work, then you're going to get even less than you might have. Otherwise, wear your masks, wash your hands, keep the decrease of COVID-19 going in California and around the U.S., please. Thank you for tuning in. This was episode 30 of the Collective Podcast. He was Trey Hop. He is Baby Hair 562. I am AC from L.A., and we're out. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.